Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, joined by a well-traveled Drew Dinsick. Drew, how's the weekend? Well, well-traveled is in like, uh, uh, you know, ridden hard and put away wet. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the weekend was extremely fun, uh, from a, just a personal standpoint, got to do some uh, cool lifetime experiences, but, uh, football betting, not so good. <laughs> I got punched in the face, uh, this weekend. I think my only winning bets were Jags. I had the Jags. That one was never in doubt. Really. Um, I got a lucky cover with the Jets. Uh, I got an under home in Browns Bengals and then everything else lost um, <laughs> a lot of lost equity on some really strong stuff. I think we got to start with Seahawks diners. Um, my goodness. Yeah. My goodness. The Seahawks aren't very good Drew, unfortunately. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. Uh, the team they were supposed to be. You know what I'm kicking myself about? How many times do you think of, you know what, as you go through the season, be it NBA, NFL, doesn't matter. If you are relying on rookies and they are overperforming through the first two-thirds of the season, they tend to hit the wall. There is a thing called a rookie wall that I don't think is narrative-based. Literally, it is tough for these guys to keep up the level of play as they go well beyond what they've ever done in their lives for the first time. And I don't know that that's entirely what's going on in Seattle, but you know, certainly like the entire quality of the team has dipped. Geno Smith has come back to earth, you know, in particular, uh, although he had you know, a nice stat line at the end of the day. It was still uh, an uneven performance from him. And Carolina Panthers were trying. They were going for it on fourth down a lot in that second half. They were really inclined to win that game. Uh, and why shouldn't they? They're still alive in the NFC South. Everybody is alive in the NFC South. I think everybody's alive in the, in the AFC South, too, except for the Texans. This is crazy that we have these two just absolutely uh, lopsided poor divisions in play still. Um, but uh, the specific results that... I don't think, I mean, didn't lock up the NFC West for the Niners, but it certainly made it much, much tougher for uh, Seattle to flip that uh, outcome. Uh, that was the, that was the one that hurt the most for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, the Bucks Niners game was very weird. Uh, the first quarter, some of the officiating bounces, some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the high leverage stuff real early on uh, put the Niners in a very, very, very solid position where they did not have to go into any kind of, um, you know, 
do anything sophisticated. They could just basically, you know, run their basics, their base stuff and, uh, and put that one away. Uh, Bucks no showing was strange as well. I, I do not know what to make of that game other than I think I'm going to continue to stick to my guns that the downgrade from Garoppolo to Purdy is more than the market uh, is making it at this point. I don't know when we will ultimately catch uh, you know, the, the true cash, you know, the, the, the true payday on that uh, specific opinion, but, uh, it's, I, I just, I'm not here for Brock Purdy all of a sudden being the next coming of, of, uh, of Steve Young. Yeah. I, I mean, we might not find out until round two of the playoffs, honestly, because their <laughs> schedule the rest of the way is incredibly kind. They finish, they play Seattle, who might have the worst defense in the league right now. Like Seattle's problem was always, I mean, the past defense outside of Tariq Woolen's not been very good. And now like their run defense is just absolutely comical. It's been just gashed yeah. repeatedly. Obviously, they gave life to Josh Jacobs and the game of his career. Uh, they made Cam Akers look the best that he has in two years. And then yesterday, they just they, they knew that uh, Carolina weren't going to put the ball in Sam Darnold's hands. They knew it was going to be, particularly in the fourth quarter, that it was going to be Chuba yeah. Hubbard and Deontay Foreman, and they were still just running for six yards a carry, doing whatever they liked. So I just think that Seattle defense just isn't viable. It's a bottom five unit in the league. And it was being propped up by by Geno Smith playing at a borderline MVP level. And now that he's like, he's still, he's fine. Like he's still playing fine. The passing yeah. game is still efficient. It's still okay. But when Geno's playing, like he was playing like the fifth best quarterback in the league. And now he's playing more like the 16th best quarterback in the league, which is still an incredible story, but it's not enough to prop up this offense. And now they go into a buzzsaw, which is the 49ers defense, yeah. which just doesn't give up points to anyone. Uh, so I think that that game is going to get, potentially very ugly unless Brock Purdy becomes the player that we expect. It'll be interesting now. Debo Samuel is going to be out for that game, probably out for the rest of the regular season you would expect. And so that's just one less release valve for Purdy. And the, the thing about Purdy, and I think the reason why you might expect that he is going to fall apart is that right now he is excelling when he's under pressure and on third down. So he's, doing it in all the high leverage moments, which good for you, Brock Purdy. That's great. And it's been very impressive. But at the same time, that's the stuff that is more likely to regress from a clean pocket. He hasn't been very good. So that's the reason why you would expect that Brock Purdy will come back to a guy who was literally the last pick in the draft. The reason it might not, though, is that he plays Seattle, as we said, dreadful defense, home to the commanders, tough defense, but it's it's in San Francisco, then mm -hmm. at the Raiders, home to the Cardinals. Like, that is a cupcake yeah. schedule overall. Uh, and then, look, then, then I don't know, first round of the playoffs, they might play the Giants, and the second round, they might play the Vikings. So who knows what's going to happen. And uh, at that and point, that it might point. be Jimmy G's back, and we never yeah. even get the answer on Brock Purdy. This is entirely possible. Yeah, so the Niners, I mean, I think certainly they have secured – uh, at least the third spot in the NFC. They're a good chance now to get the second spot because as you go further down the rabbit hole of tiebreakers, if they end up tied with Minnesota, they will win the tiebreak there. So the Niners are all of a sudden looking in a much better spot. The Bucs are a complete catastrophe. I mean, neutral field, are the Bucs better than the Panthers right now, Drew? No. No. <laughs> Not even close. The Panthers' defense was playing excellent yesterday. G uh, uh, Horn uh, is incredible. 
he is he absolutely can uh he can lock up a wide receiver one in this league no doubt in my mind uh good pass rush everybody in the secondary does their job it really allows the pass rush to just kind of ping their ears back and go for it uh that's a good defense uh and now on the uh, offensive side of the ball i have never liked ben mcadoo never I've never thought this guy has a vision for what you want to do in today's football, but he was tacking into their strength yesterday in a way that, uh, you know, really made the difference in the game. When you're on the road like that and you can control the line of scrimmage and, you know, you can uh, just absolutely wipe out the clock in the second half. And, you know, Seattle went into that game. They were the best team the best offense by a lot in the fourth quarter in the NFL so far this season. And that is a weird kind of thing to try to single because one quarter of play over the balance of, you know, a handful of weeks isn't really telling you much, but that's where, you know, Seattle has tended to come back in games like that. Uh, and the Carolina just played keep away. And uh, it, there are th- the two things that are absolutely wild. The imp- nearly impossible comeback that Brady did on Monday night football against the saints and the fact that DJ Moore took his darn helmet off. Kills like those two things, in, there's another reality out there where those things don't happen and the Panthers are in the lead and Sam Darnold is literally playing defense trying to put away an NFC South. Like that's that crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, I still think that the Panthers will have something to play for when they go to Tampa Bay in three weeks. And if they win that, not only do they gain a game on Tampa, but they then they lock up the tiebreak against Tampa and their remaining schedule, the Panthers, they're one and a half point favorites home to Pittsburgh. Then they play home to Detroit. They'll probably be like two, two and a half point dogs there. I think at this point, uh, certainly less than a field goal, I'd expect. And then at Tampa, which we'll see, and then at New Orleans. But yeah, the Panthers are very, very live uh, in the NFC South, a team that is also live in the playoff mix. Now with the Detroit Lions, who... I think are probably the fourth best team in the NFC right now, aren't they? Who's I, like it's it's Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers. Then aren't they fourth at this point? Yes. Yeah, I think it's I think like squarely. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, we're gonna have we're gonna have some opportunities though to to test them because they're gonna have to go outside and play football. Yeah. And in general, I think some of the numbers are maybe a hair inflated for them offensively, just on the basis of they have played so many games indoors, but. Jameson Williams adds another dimension to that team. The running game is incredibly, incredibly consistent. Uh, Jared Goff, if he's playing mistake-free football, is going to put a healthy number on you. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a the, – the score was not indicative of how clean uh, a win that was for the Lions. They were excellent in that game. Uh, and I think, realistically, uh, that's kind of your team nobody wants to play if they find their way in the playoff mix, right? Like some team – it could even be the Niners and Brock Purdy as the two seed, draw a plucky Lions as the seven seed, and then we, maybe we get our chance to extract a little value from the Brock <laughs> Purdy hype train. <laughs> yeah, I think, look, the Lions now, like the offense, whenever it's been healthy, has been consistently above average to elite. The offensive line is legitimate. Jared Goff, I, I, Jared Goff should be like third favorite for comeback player of the year. He's sure. been phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Well, phenomenal relative to kind of Jared Goffian standards. Uh, and then Amon Ra has been a top five wide receiver in the game. DJ Chark, Josh, like they've got depth there at the skill positions. DeAndre Swift is healthier. And then on de- the issue has always been that on defense, they were a bottom five uh, unit. But now it's getting to competence uh, in a way that 
Like their defense now feels like Seattle's looked like it was going to be like a month ago where it was, you know, the 20th ranked defense or whatever. And when you have an elite offense, then you're a pretty good team all of a sudden. But their issue has been that they have not been able to rush the passer. And yesterday they were because uh, this guy, James Houston, who uh, was, what, a sixth-round pick? He's picked 218 in the draft. Apparently, he's a star. Aiden Hutchinson <laughs> looks a lot better than he did at the start of the season. Still yeah. not an amazing pass rusher, but he's been very solid overall. And then the secondary with Akuda and Joseph and Elliot, like, there are enough pieces there. It's, it's not going to be a good defense, but it might be serviceable enough. And it's probably... If, well, it might be better than Minnesota's defense, which hasn't shown anything Ooh. for a long time. And now that team... Look, they're 10 and 3. They're going to be either the second seed or the third seed. They're going to win the the NFC North. Justin Jefferson's probably the rightful offensive player of the year favorite at this point. I thought as well, like offensively, they look pretty good against the Lions, and Kirk Cousins looked better than he has in a while. But this team just has also ran written all over it, and you would expect that their destiny is probably to, to lose in the second round at this point, right? Oh, yeah. A negative point differential, right? <laughs> Like we're we're this is not a ten win team by any measure of normal uh, kind of grading football wins losses. Obviously, you don't use wins losses as a tool to uh, come up with a fair price for a game. But um, yeah, this is uh, you know they 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 are there there is a potential path here where they are underrated at some point. Right. Where everybody is dumped, you know, they've sold oversold the Vikings because um, you bring up the key point that the offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, does play for this team. Um, And in, you know, we see a lot of uh, you can you can find many examples of one and done teams that were poor but had a player like Steve Smith for the Panthers comes to mind where he just went nuclear for a couple of games. No one could defend him. And that was the difference. Uh, and so there is, you know, I'm, I am kind of, I'm watching my blind side there because, you know, a team like the Vikings being able to uh, just do just enough and win a coin flip kind of a game. It's there. It's, it's very real. Uh, so I don't think you can, um, you know, completely write these guys off. I do think uh, the offensive player of the year market goes through Justin Jefferson. I do think uh, that the rest of that team is, uh, is along for the ride. Yeah, I, I do think yesterday that, like, they didn't have Christian Darasaw. They didn't have Garrett Bradbury. Those are two of their starters. Darasaw has been one of the best tackles in the league. And mm-hmm. I think the thought with the Vikings has always been, it's not so much that the defense is going to get better because it's it's just not. Like, it's just bad defense. Like, it's they have enough pieces in to Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter and Patrick Peterson's having an amazing season and Harrison Smith. Like, they have enough guys where... They can make enough plays where they're not going to be like a Seattle level of defense. But to me, the upside with the Vikings comes is like the the offense should be better. Like it shouldn't be so just dependent on Justin Jefferson making contested catches. Like they've got TJ Hawkinson. They've got Adam Thielen still there. The offensive line is the best that Kirk Cousins has ever played with in Minnesota Mm -hmm. by a stretch. I think the problem with this team is not the defense. It's that Kirk Cousins just hasn't been that good. And they haven't been able to to involve the other guys as much. But Hawkinson still he hasn't been there long. So maybe they get him integrated and they become, you know, an elite top five, top seven defense, which they really should be based on the talent. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be giving up on the Vikings. You know, I think the, the people at this point think that the Detroit Lions are going to go further in the playoffs. Like the Lions are still plus 300 to even make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. uh, and they're going to have to play every game on the road. So I think people need to call it a little bit with the Lions. But they are... <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are pretty solid at this point. Uh, yeah. Before we talk about two 
I don't know, not so solid teams, I guess. I guess the Patriots are kind of solid. But we get into Monday Night Football. A reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Let's talk Patriots, Cardinals. The Patriots are two-point favorites on the road in Arizona. The total is 43-and-a-half. Any lean on this game, Mr. Whale I lean Patriots, and I, but I, the market is spooking me here. Um, just like with almost every game, I bet all week this week, uh, I was like, man, this this should go. This is going there, right? And you look at this game, you look at the these two teams trending in the opposite directions, and you're thinking, okay, well, this is going to go to three. Um, and there was very, very serious support for Arizona once this got to two. Uh, it's gone back and forth between one and a half and two for the last handful of days. It looks like this is going to close under three. So uh, basically, the market is telling you that these two teams are pretty much equal in you know in Arizona. Um, now, that's fair. The rest advantage here for Arizona coming off their bye is mitigated in a lot of ways by New England having uh, having played last Thursday. Um, so this is a you know is a decent. Um, uh, you know, kind of measuring stick game for both of these teams where they are and where they're going. New England's story and the arc of their season overall has been fascinating because many people who know football well will tell you that what Belichick has done as far as the development of Mac Jones going back to the offseason has not made sense. And it has basically, he has handicapped him in a way that you have seen humongous regression from Jones in year two. And I think that there is realistic questions about, you know, what is the plan? Why is he doing this? Uh, and, does, you know, is there sort of an end game here where this team is going to look meaningfully better at the end of the season than it started at, than it was at the beginning? And last or Thursday's performance against the Bills was a resounding, we do not have things figured out. And I think that's, uh, you know, a ton of scrutiny here coming down the home stretch here with Belichick, considering what they invested in the quarterback position, considering how they've handled the post Brady tenure. Like this is kind of an important month of, uh, of Belichick's career as accomplished as he is. Like, you know, is he building something that is going to be championship caliber for the future or is this sort of the uh, final chapter for him and uh, he gets to play a team in Arizona that looks like they have largely quit on their coach. Um, and in general, those teams are dangerous to assume that they're going to lay down on any given day because there is a lot of players playing for future contracts for, uh, you know, playing, playing for the, you know, their careers. And, you know, this, it's not, an, an, you know, an assumption here that, uh, uh, Arizona is going to be a walkover, even uh, though they are clearly out of the race and new England is still flirting with a wild card spot. So Arizona comes into this one as sort of the bigger question mark for me. Um, if this was say week two of the NFL season and we did not know a ton about these two teams, this would be an obvious look on Arizona because they have the key ingredient that has made Bill Belichick look like he has no idea how to run a defense. And that is a mobile quarterback. Kyler Murray is incredibly good when he's using his legs. The question is, is he inclined to do so? Because there are lots of examples of Kyler Murray throughout his career where he has decided not today, not, not, not going to put my body at risk today, not, not really feeling it. Right. And if he is has that sort of body language and that sort of attitude in this one, New England's running them over. But if he is like, you know what, let's get a win. 
I need to, I need to, I need to silence the haters. I've heard some of the criticism. I'm a top 10 quarterback. If Kyler Murray comes in with that attitude, Arizona can win this game. So I don't really know how to bet this one pre-flop. I think this one's going to be one where you're going to have to sort of evaluate the state of the Cardinals. If things are bouncing their way, if guys are engaged, uh, then I'm probably going to bet them second half. And, and if it's the other way around, then New England's going to run, run away with this one. Yeah, I agree. This is a very strange game to figure out just because of incentives on Arizona's side. And then this New England team is just impossible to read. I mean, yeah. to me, the most interesting unit in this game is the New England defense, which I'm not sure how good it is we know it's solid and okay (laughs) but at the same time like are they just like right now their rating is kind of elite and by you know dvoa they're an elite unit they're by dvoa right now they're the third ranked defense which you know from what i see on the field doesn't really match up with that and i think that that's largely inflated by two games against zach wilson by playing um, sam ellinger uh and then also you know handling other uh, you know, they played the Lions when the Lions were missing, you know, most of their team. Yeah. So they played Mitch Trubisky earlier in the season. So I'm not sure how good the Patriots defense is, certainly in big spots against didn't look great against Buffalo, didn't nope. look good at all against Minnesota on Thanksgiving. That was just a car crash all around. Now they play this Arizona team where, I mean, in theory, like it's Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Mark. Marquise Brown, and it's another week of Marquise Brown being healthier, playing alongside DeAndre Hopkins. And Kyler Murray is clearly the better quarterback in the matchup based on what we've seen from Mac Jones. So, I don't know. All of this stuff just leads me to perhaps skew to the over 43 and a half in in a dome where I don't think that Mac Jones is a complete write-off. Like, I still think back to, you know, the game that he played on Thanksgiving against Minnesota where he looked better than the Mac Jones that he was last year. Uh, and was able to, I mean, they, they scored 26 in that game and they could have easily had 40. They certainly should have had an extra four points with the Hunter Henry touchdown where they had to settle for a field goal. So I wouldn't give up on the Patriots offense. So probably higher than public consensus on the Patriots offense and lower on their defense. And that would probably end up to uh, an over bet. But um, yeah, but this game is very strange overall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're, we are in absolute lockstep here. Um over is a fun way to play this because there is a, you know, if, if you are getting effort out of the Cardinals, it's the offense. That's what we're talking about, right? I mean, the Cardinals defense is, is there, they are here to be had. <laughs> there is no, there's no question in my mind that if, uh, if, if New England is coming in with some of their best stuff, if they are feeling the, the intensity and the pressure of this is, we need to perform in this one, uh, they're going to get into the 20s. So I'm, I'm, I'm there with you that, uh, sort of, the Cardinals offense shows up, plays hard. This thing cruises. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw we saw that in a similar so- spot earlier this season when the Cardinals took on the Saints at home on in primetime. Uh, and so this is, you know, that that is that is a weird X factor in this one that I can't uh, can't talk anyone out of looking for and over. Yep. Very strange game. I, if I had a prop bet to make, it would probably be on Mac Jones over 225 and a half passing yards. It ties into that thought on the over. I think that, you know, the Cardinals schematically, what they do is they largely sell out to, to stop the run, uh, perhaps to their own detriment. Uh, and certainly they're a team that you can pass on. And Mac Jones, you know, as bad as he has looked at times, like those are skewed by, you know, they're playing outdoors in, condi- in conditions against the defenses of the Jets and the Bills. The last time that he was in a dome against the bad defense, he had, what, 367 yards or something against Minnesota. 
So I think that he should be able to throw on this very uninspiring Cardinals secondary. So give me the over on Mac Jones. 225 and a half passing yards. All right, before we talk about the World Cup of football, if you want more betting, DFS, and fantasy advice right before kickoff tonight, tune into the NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Eastern as Vaughn Dalzell, Lawrence Jackson, and Kyle Dvorak answer your questions prior to kickoff between the Patriots and the Cardinals. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. Right, Drew. It's been a few days since we've chatted World Cup. Outside yeah. Some strange text messages I sent our thread uh, blowing up. <laughs> now it looked like Argentina. <laughs> We're going to completely gack the quarterfinal, but they got oh, through God. that. 
Uh, they're in the semi now. They play Croatia, who just refused to die for the second tournament in a row. Amazing. And on the other side, we have France against Morocco in a little bit less interesting of a matchup. Now, I have something that I want to throw at you at the end of the show um, sure. around a futures market. But in these two games, any lean uh, on either semifinal? Well, the markets are interesting here. Um, you're right. That Argentina win over the Netherlands was a completely oh. unnecessary sweat. Did not oh need that. God. Did not need that and didn't need it. Um, but we come through. Um, the Brazil-Croatia match was just exquisite. That was yes. that was as good as you know, football ever is. It was so, so fun to watch that. And I cannot believe that, you know, Croatia forced the penalties and then ultimately come through. Um, for my money, uh, France was extremely, extremely lucky to be here. Kills Mb- me. Yeah, M- Mbappe, com- no shows the quarterfinal. Yeah. Was he Was he even playing? Did he Did he play the 90 minute? I, 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 I lost track of him. I, I assume he was out there. Um, we had him but, dead, Drew. We had Batman dead. We had him <laughs> captured in a cage. And I, just wanted, I, I just want to know, can you vote for Mbappe in good conscience considering he no-showed? Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's our golden ball winner. Anyway, um, the France was lucky to be here, but they draw a much easier opponent in Morocco, obviously. So the market has basically given them a pass, to, or at least expecting a pass through to the semifinal, or to the finals. That's uh, a little bit uh, optimistic, I think, because France is a little bit. Um, they are, you know, they, there is a path to beat to beating that team, but they just have so much quality, particularly in the finishing, uh, that uh, you would think they find a goal, the you know, the goal that they need against a team like Morocco, who play who has been playing very hard, uh, but has suffered a couple of key injuries. There was a couple late in that game, in particular against Portugal, that are flying under the radar a little bit. So uh, I do think France goes through to the final. But the best team so far in the World Cup, and even though they came out and lost to Saudi Arabia, you remember when that happened? No, I don't either. Um, Argentina has been the best team in my opinion. And I think Messi has been the best player. And I think this is realistically uh, Argentina's World Cup to lose. Uh, I think that Croatia is not an opponent you want to look past, obviously. Um, but uh, considering the battle that Croatia went through now, two games in a row, they have had to play a full extra time uh, and win via penalties. And I know Argentina did as well last time out. Um, however, Argentina is a deeper team. Uh, they are a, you know, they, they have the, uh, the um, possession, uh, the ability to, to win possession comfortably to create opportunities for their players uh, in the attacking uh, third that Croatia just uh, can't produce nearly as consistently. So Argentina here comes through and, uh, and is the rightful, ought to be the rightful, uh, uh, you know, favorite in the market to, uh, to, to lift the cup. Um, but uh you know, it's, I think Argentina minus 115 is the play, or you pass entirely on this game. Yeah. You said Argentina were the best team that you've seen in the World Cup, and that would certainly be backed up by the fact that they're 5-0 and on XG. They really handled the Netherlands outside of losing their minds for 15 minutes at the end. But you know who the best team I saw at the World Cup was? <laughs> it's freaking England. England dominated <laughs> that game. England was, England was awesome. Yeah. They, played, they were so impressive. And then... It's the most English thing ever to lose that game for Harry Kane to sky that penalty, oh which God. now lives with all the other balls <laughs> that the English players have skied Unbelievable. Um, over the journey. Unbelievable. But yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. France have only won on XG. And look, XG is, is flawed and it's a bit dictated by game state, but 
Uh, France have only won on XG two of the five games. Now, I think it's a farce that they didn't win on XG against Poland. Like, they dominated that game. Yeah, they they had four goals in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, was... They should have lost to England or at, le- at the very least gone to extra time. I agree. And, uh, yeah, when I close my eyes at night, I still see Harry Kane's ball sailing <laughs> into the Qatari night. Uh, we have a question from a viewer on the golden ball. Hope this doesn't front run uh, my lean. Is there a value on uh, Modric or Amrabad for the golden ball? The committee might feel a little obligated to reward Croatia-Morocco if they qualify regardless of the result in the final. See Modric ball out. And then, Marin, I should mention I've got far too much money on Messi for the golden ball, so it's now more of a hedge. Ha, ha. Look, I think... It's not funny, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, firstly, I'm with you. A lot of money on Messi as well, so I feel that. Um, I would say two things. One, I don't think that anyone from Croatia or Morocco is going to win the golden ball. And the reason that is, is that I think the last time that a player won the golden ball on a team that won the World Cup was 1994. Yeah. Brazil. You're right. Brazil. And certainly... Only three of the past ten winners of the Golden Ball have actually won the tournament. So there's no there's no real compulsion to reward teams. Is basically the message from that. I think the message from that is also that I think it's pretty clear that the voters they vote before the final is actually played. Um, otherwise, there would be. Um, this is the same thing with the Euros. Like the Pedri won Young Player of the Tournament because they 100% voted before uh, the final of the Euros because Donnarumma should have won Young Player because he won Player of the Tournament and he was eligible <laughs> for Young Player as well. Uh, and I do remember hunting through Twitter for the Euros and finding out that they do actually convene the Friday before the final. So I suspect it's the same thing with the World Cup. And what that leads me to believe is that it's just based on narrative. It's based on sentiment. They don't even... I don't, statistics don't really matter. One, there's no like estimated plus minus for these soccer players like there is in the nba there's no epa per play or qbr like they just base they they vote based on the best story and narrative luka modric won last tournament with two goals and one assist yeah uh griezmann and mbappe had four goals each and i think assists as well on the team that won the tournament and yet modric wins because he was the focal point of croatia which Look, Modric hasn't played that well this tournament. Like, he hasn't had a great no, tournament. No, I have not thought so. Guy. And I don't think anyone from Morocco is winning. And so I think Messi should be the heavy favorite for the award. I think he should yeah. be shorter than even money. I think so long as he wins and gets to the final, I think he might just win regardless because yeah. Mbappe had such a poor quarterfinal. But, Drew, my, the thing I tease at the start of the segment is I don't understand why Mbappe is like, plus 125 or whatever he is for the golden ball. And Antoine Griezmann is 25 to one. And you talk to, you listen to any soccer podcast, read any article, and they will tell you that Antoine Griezmann is more important or at least is like more central to the way France operates. Because at least with Mbappe, like you have Ousmane Dembele on the other wing. Mbappe did nothing in the quarterfinal against England. Griezmann had both the assists. He was the best player. He dragged them to that win. I still think Mbappe should be favoured over him, but I think that's much closer than the odds would indicate. What do you think there? I could not agree with you more. Um, Mbappe was invisible against England, and it wasn't because of what England was doing defensively. Mbappe just wasn't engaged in that game. And I don't think you can be the most outstanding player of the tournament if in you know a, a knockout game of that magnitude, you're invisible. Um, Griezmann was much more important. Uh, I would even listen to Giroud was more important. 
um, in you know, particularly in the knockout stages, he has felt it. Uh, you know, let's get the narrative. Mbappe, he's cherry picking, cherry picking these goals late in these games, yeah. just, to kinda, like, just to kind of just to pad, just to pad. Yeah, he's padding, he's padding the scorebook late in games. I mean, he's going to get the golden boot, but does he deserve the golden ball? I don't think so. I don't think so, folks. Uh, no, I, it's I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but the the you're correct and. Your assessment really of the historical context is interesting. And I, cause I've been trying to figure it out this whole tournament too. Like how does this work? How did we end up with, uh, you know, six world cups in a row where the golden ball winner was not on the winning team. Like that's wild. And, oh, you know, but before the before the they, final, they, I guarantee but at, it. But at the same time, if you look at the winners, they were, they, they kind of got it right. A lot of the time, like, yeah. These guys were extremely valuable to teams that did very well. Like Diego Forlan, he deserved it. He was in the third place match, uh, but he deserved, absolutely deserved it the year he got it. Uh, giving it to Zidane, uh, he was clearly the best player in that tournament, clearly. Uh, even though you know he ultimately was responsible for the loss <laughs> in the World Cup <laughs> final, he was the best player in the tournament. They clearly vote, yeah. they clearly vote for the tournament yeah. because Zinedine Zidane yeah. headbutted a guy, got sent off, <laughs> wasn't able to take a penalty, probably yeah. cost his team the final, and they still yes. gave it to him over Fabio Cannavaro. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I you think- know I I tend to think they do get it right, and if you do step back and say who has been the most you know who has been the most outstanding player of the tournament to this point. It's been Messi, and Messi has now an opportunity to win the World Cup for the first time. I mean, it will be, uh, it will be nearly impossible for them to steer away from it, even if he is in the final. Yeah, I think if he loses the final to Mbappe, I would still make Messi the favorite for the award. Yeah. Like, I think that evens like he should be a heavy favorite over Mbappe, and it's just a question of whether he should be minus two hundred or minus one fifty. But whatever it is, it's not even money. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the two bets in the market are Messi and around evens, and then Antoine Griezmann as well. Because if Messi has a bad semi, and then uh, then Griezmann, I think, is a chance as yeah. well. But anyway, lots uh, lots to look forward to. We'll break it all down. We'll keep cheering for Argentina. All right, yes. don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll be back tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 